The Kinky Cocktail Hour is brought to you by Motor Bunny, the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator that offers fabulous creative sexual experiences. We use it and it rotates, it vibrates, and it delivers mind-blowing orgasms. Enjoy Motor Bunny as your favorite sex toy. When you order the Motor Bunny, multiple attachments are included along with the link controller, which allows wireless control from anywhere. Motor Bunny is the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator on earth. Use the link in the show notes and spice up your sex life with a Motor Bunny. You're listening to Kinky Cocktail Hour, a conversation between adults about sex-forward relationships, kinky lifestyles, and frank communication. If you're under 18, please stop listening and visit scarletteen.com. I'm Lady Petra, and my pronouns are she, hers, and we. I'm Safa Master, and my pronouns are him, his, and we. And this is Kinky Cocktail Hour. Cheers! Cheers. Okay, what are we drinking tonight? It's TGIF! TGIF! TGIF is always a martini of sorts, and we're having our traditional dry martini. Eight parts of Tangeray London Dry, one part of Dolan Dry Vermouth, six shakes of orange bitters, stirred a hundred times, strained into cold martini glasses, and then expressing the oils out of an orange peel over the top of the glass, making two little twists, drop them in, serve them up. It's golden. It's golden. Let's have a sniff. Oh, I love the smell of orange. It's good. That's brilliant. Hold on. It's lovely. It's brilliant. And I so look forward to Fridays with you, you know. I do too, because that means we have the weekend together. Yeah. And so too. I mean, I really just love you and I love our experiences of just the time we have together and the way we relate. Mm -hmm. You know, to have you come home and make a martini like this is amazing. It's fun. Yeah. Life's a party. Every day. Kinky Cocktail Hour is brought to you by Slub USA, the world's strongest, most powerful male masturbator. Visit Slub USA at slub, S-L-U-B-B dash USA dot com. Today's conversation is brought to you by WeMinder, a behavior chart app for kinky couples like us. Learn more at WeMinder dot app. Concerning Littleton by Becca Allen, it's chapter eight and it's called A Party to Change. Mm-hmm. And honestly, if you want to like have sort of spank bank material, like this chapter's it. Yeah, it yeah, totally this is, is like, for like, like everyone. Like it hits like every fetish. Right. <laughs> Almost. Right. 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 So the premise is that Abby and Christina and Adam and not Simon. Adam, Adam and Simon, yeah. yeah. They all go to a they go to a party. Yep. And they get to the party, and turns out it's around the corner from Aunt Nora, but... Well, they don't know that, it's Aunt Nora. What, what Christina says is... that's is, my boss. That's my boss's right. house. So we're starting to make the connection that, oh my God, Aunt Nora is Nora the boss. Right. We're joining the dots, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they go to this party around the corner, 
and it's just a big black fuck party. It's a big yeah, fetish it, fuck party. Yeah, it's like yeah. what Dex talks about a lot. Right, when exactly. When he used to have the house that had parties. Yes, exactly, right. It exactly sounds like that. And these people have got a cool house because they have a, a basement dungeon and then a basement dungeon to the basement dungeon. Yeah, like a little yeah. even a further step down yeah. to the actual dungeon. And we also learn about impact play and about who's a sadist and who's a masochist. Well, we learn what this house has because the house has like a, a horse, basically a kneeling horse set up in one yes. of the room alcoves and then a medical table, uh, a medical table, dental medical room, medical room yeah. basically. And then suspension, suspension right. in another room. And it just, and then kind of a, a third level, if you will, the two and a half level is more like a mini amphitheater, really mini. Yeah. More like our size of a room, yeah. but it had seating on three quarters of one side, and then the other side so was this, this the, is the house for parties. Was the play space? Yeah. So you know when we went to Dumcon and we went into the big fetish party, there wasn't supposed to be sex in that room, right? right so we right. didn't have that experience of watching people actually fuck it. But, but we had the there experience was of, of them doing their kink. There was a lot of kink, right? Oh yeah, yeah. But it was kind of crowded. And so when you were talking through, when you were, because you were reading, when you were reading the book, the chapter, I was imagining that experience. But then mm -hmm. as they open up into different dungeons, you sort of get a feeling of a little more privacy or a little more space. Or the alcoves. I really little like alcoves. the idea of the alcoves. Yeah. What they had done is built a basement, a yeah. second level underground. Think about it. How brilliant is that for sound? Awesome. Right? Yeah, it's awesome. And if they use the footprint of the house existing, then they have all the access. They probably have plumbing down there right, for exactly. other things, right? Yeah. And then they have alcoves. They're open, but I'm sure there's curtains. They can be made private. Sure. But they're mostly open with certain types of equipment in yeah. that people like to play with. Right. So the first um, character that we get present to as a kinkster in the chapter is Abby. And she's getting spanked. Right. And she's getting in spanked the, in by... In the little mini amphitheater thing. In, yeah, in like the first In the group. two and a half. Yeah. She's getting spanked by Simon. And, and Rachel. Rachel's standing there. And yeah. she's also involved. Who's in the dominant? And Abby and... No, no, Abby. Christina and... Simon. Simon are sitting watching. No, Simon's spanking. No, Adam. Christina and Adam are sitting watching. And Christina's getting kind of wet like, by this experience of watching... Abby actually experiencing impact play. So what I think is a masochist, because masochism comes in many different forms. Masochism yeah. comes as, and there's no right way to be. I don't want to make this no. sound elitist. No, absolutely. As pure masochism in the sense of there's no structure. It's just about experiencing different pain. Right. There are masochists that are pain sluts that are looking for particular actual pain. Like more intensity, yeah. Yeah, but it, but whatever gets them pain, because right. I don't think everything gives them pain. Right, exactly. I think there's very specific things. And then there's people who are on that same spectrum, but are on the discipline base. Right. It doesn't mean that their experience of discipline is less or less intense, because masochism is not a, a competition. However, discipline adds a component to it in the masochism structure that is different than just straight masochism. Me as a masochist, where I crave is you to impact me, to warm me up for our marking scenes. That's where I live. Now, for you to start adding discipline to that, like I'm doing things wrong or whatever, right. which I try not to do, because it's not that I'm afraid of discipline. 
It's that I'm wired to serve. You're about self-discipline. But there are people who are wired that discipline itself is a sexual arousal. Yeah, that's and they have to be in that space. That's like their bready experience, right? And that's what we're seeing in this chapter. It's it's pretty amazing because it's probably probably the best example for me when you're talking about looking at what masochism is. Well, you see both Christina and Abby. And Abby, but you see both you see both of them want masochism. Well, they're both experiencing masochism differently. One's experiencing it as an impact play experience. With some brattiness. Uh, not much. She does with Rachel. But not much. But that's because Rachel's not her daughter. Yeah, but you don't know everything. So I'm just saying, so, so the go scene, with what you Well, the scene know. is Abby being spanked by Simon and... On different thighs. On different thighs. By two different dominants. Yeah, so Rachel is like the... The she's, house dominant. She's the house dominant. But she's somebody else's mistress, right? But she's like participating because she's a sadist in well, this experience, right? She could right? be polyamorous. We don't know that yet. But what I'm saying is... She's secondary to Simon. Yeah. Now, Abby's brattiness is towards Rachel, but not so much towards Simon, although Simon treats them as the same. Treats us as brattiness, right? right? And then disciplines her. Exactly. And then uses Rachel's dominance as part of the discipline. So, yeah, so, so Rachel, they definitely have a, as dominance, they have an agreement right. on the hierarchy there. What's great about this, I'll just say this, because we talk about, Alpha and beta subs all the time. Yeah. This is an example of an alpha and beta dominant. Oh, interesting. Right. And what I mean by that, it because it's very dynamic specific. Yeah. It doesn't mean that Rachel isn't a dominant as as hardcore as Simon. Right. What it means is based on the agreements of the dynamic and Rachel's agreement to participate, is that those are the roles they take on in this specific scene. Maybe other scenes they do it different, or maybe that's always. But this is important because I think people say, oh, you're a dominant, then you're always a dominant. Then it's this, if two dominants are playing with you, there's a push-pull all the time. And there doesn't have to be. In this instance, it's actually, I I would say, they've worked out a scenario of how it works. Yeah, well, Rachel announced that she's going to put on a strap-on. Yes. And Simon's... But that would belt. be a dominant thing to do. Totally. And Simon takes off his belt and starts whooping her across and, her and back. And think about it. If we know how the scenario played out because we read the book. Right. Right. But so Simon hears her say that I'm going to go put a strap on on. Yes. He, as alpha dominant in the dynamic, could have had her when she came back. Because remember, she waited until he did something and then she reacted to that. Right. Yeah. There was a cause and effect. Could have easily said something to her dominant to dominant, peer to peer. Okay, you're going to do this with her, right? Now, we don't know their agreements. We don't, yeah. But what I'm trying to bring up is there is a lot of conversation in particularly polyamorous dynamics. Especially in the the kink context. And in kink context with people that are even not poly, but maybe in open dynamics. Yeah. That there's a, okay, here's my alpha sub and here are my betas and we play together, right? This is part of the minutia of dynamics, how intricate it can be. They may have been at munches tons of times and parties with Rachel and over time created this symbiotic thing. Now, Rachel's not going to go steal Abby. That's not what's happening here. We actually get that there must be some sort of agreement in the background because when they arrive, 
Leng is looking at Abby when she says, Rachel's waiting for you. Right. So there's an already right. a knowingness, right? Right. And then in the experience of the scene, Rachel says to Simon, you take care of her back because there's no markings on her back. Her ass is marked. Take care of her back. I'm going to go get changed. And so it's kind of like there's a certain assumptive knowingness about what Rachel's expecting and what Simon's expecting. I don't expecting. know if it's assumptive. Think about two dynamics coming together to play and they're doing performance play. They're not playing privately in a dungeon. Right. They're playing in front of an amphitheater public, kind right. of situation. Right. I'm not saying they're playing to the audience. What I'm saying is there are probably made agreements between the two dominants on what is to transpire. And the submissive. I agree. I think there are agreements everywhere. Right. And so what I see is this, I think we got a window into a dynamic that has been around for a while. Like Maybe, Abby yeah. and them have not just shown at Rachel's for the last few months. It's been several years. No, we don't and know. And so then right. there's been an evolution. We don't know no, what we, that we, is. We don't know. We're just speculating. But again, I want to emphasize the context is this. There is still, whatever side of the slash you are, based on the dynamic dynamics, There, if you're in a multiple people mode, you could have an alpha, you could have all betas, you could have a million different combinations of such. The key is the conversations that we have about agreements to know what you're getting yourself into. You could walk into a dynamic where there's two other, three other people, right? And you could make assumptions, which is... Assuming makes an ass out of you and me. Right, assume, right, right. But that happens... But what should be happening is that you walk into something and you want to play and explore, which is great. You understand what's really happening there. Well, I think this chapter does two things. It exposes us to a range of kinks, like puppy play, medical play, impact play, ABDL play, rigor play. Like There's a lot of different kinks in the chapter, right? Mm -hmm. So, So that's the first thing it does. Then at a deeper layer... It exposes us to the various dynamics that might exist between people that we as readers can assume there are agreements between all these people because the we play hoping. is pretty seamless. Yeah, we it seems that. like that. Yeah. There is, right? And then we get more deeply into the actual relationship of Christina and Adam where Christina is actually aroused by the impact play, aroused by the pain experience, but really wants to have that ABDL experience with her partner. And discipline. What I noticed is she, in earlier chapters, she was being bratty, hoping to elicit a response. Yes. She didn't have the language. She didn't know discipline was something in the scope. Then she sees it in this play party at this house at Rachel's. And she actually uses the words, I should be disciplined for that. Yes, right, exactly. So she gets... There's a huge transformation happening. She gets the concept of her own sexuality in that her turn on is ABDL as a underline, right? Yeah. But what she wants is the discipline. And it was made very clear between her wearing panties, being a big girl and being a diaper. And I even stopped us during the reading of this chapter and said to you, wow, as a person who's not into ABDL, But where I connect with this on a deeper level is as a switch. I'm not saying she's a switch. What I'm saying is there's a switchiness to her in ABDL. She's playing between 
the areas of being a big girl and then being in a diaper. Yeah. And I get that that may be normally a cause and effect of discipline. Yeah, but yeah. what I want to think about in a bigger picture is just like we talk all the time, there's an ebb and flow to our sexuality as both of us are switches and we try to key into each other and follow the ebb and flow. Yeah. Well, she, she might that. be doing the same thing because it feels the same. No, I think that's actually correct. This, I don't know what to call that. I think just switching this, that's good. My view is that in this overall experience, as we're getting to know the characters and what turns them on, and all the different kinks that are present in the room and all of the people and the different ways they play together, is that human sexuality is really complex. Different things make arousal occur for different people for different reasons, and none of us are the same. I think you're totally right. And then I also will say there are similarities that are uncanny just because we're humans in the sense of needs met. That's the minutiae I'm looking at is that I may not be into the fetish itself, but what I see is the common ground we share in the minutiae, which I don't want to put a name to it because the reality is all we keep doing is a flow chart that keeps outline file that keeps going into deeper levels of like what someone is as if we need to find it. But what I do know is when I use the word switch in my head as a dominant and submissive, it means to me that I have to recognize there is no like, okay, my dominance is exactly five days and my submissiveness is this many days. right? Right. That isn't the case. What's amazing about sexuality is it does get affected by your overall arching life. And then you have an what I call a sexual ebb and flow. Sure. And you listen. What's great about what we have discerned from this is we have figured out a way to communicate with each other on the top portion of the day and say, where are you at? So that then, because we love foreplay, I mean, really, we love foreplay. We then determine the rest of the day based on that. Now, that's not to say I had an incident at the end of the day or you had an incident on the end of the day. And you, and I come into a context yeah. and you say, it's a no-go because I'm in this mode. We're human because that matches with what vanilla happens. But what I'm saying is we set up the context and ebb and flow. And if you read this chapter like that with ebb and flow, you see that happening between the panties and the diaper. I agree. I mean, it's so powerful that I think everyone should read that part. That chapter is like evident for there, everyone. There's actually a lot. There's a lot in that chapter. The chapter goes on and they leave the party, all the two couples, Adam and Simon and Abby and Christine, they leave the party but somehow, At 2 a.m. or later. But somehow they're with like David and Aiden, who were watching them in the last scene. Right. And David and Aiden, and there's another woman, I can't remember her name right now. They all go to the van, and Aiden is like in the van in a hurry because his aunt's around the corner. Right. Right. But... Which gives us clue that the Nora they parked in front of is the same Nora as his aunt. Yeah, Exactly. And so we're in a situation where we're learning the proclivities of the characters and their interest in various aspects of sexuality and kink. Mm -hmm. But there's also like a deeper occurring of community. And this is something I think that, you know, Mako intends to 
point out in the book. I think he intends to share that all of us as sexual creatures have different curiosities, participations, and relatedness to aspects of kink, none of which are bad. All of them are real and all of them are good. And we're discovering that there's a interrelationship in power dynamics that are similar in various explorations and self-expressions of kink. And here we have a party where it's all like on display. The whole thing's on display. Yes, yes. One thing that I was taken with, and this has to do with my spank bank I've shared with you and things like that. And I have no idea why my spank bank is the way it is because it doesn't correlate to what I internally feel aroused by. But it doesn't matter because I have... If you think about it as a dominant, I'll use my dominant side. I have two wavelengths working. I have my arousal and then I have a power arousal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are two separate links and they don't have to always intersect. Sometimes they intersect, sometimes they don't. But for example, here reading this chapter and watching people being voyeurs to things. Oh, right, exactly. Right? Yeah. I can see myself being a voyeur to something I know this for a fact that I've done this in life because I went to the cow palace and I had paid extra for the VIP rooms to go where you could have sex. Basically. Um, it wasn't talked about openly, but people were having sex and that's what's happening. And you paid a higher rate because there's no cameras in there and that kind of thing. So I got off on watching certain type of things that I would not in any way participate in. What was arousing to me is the power exchange that happened. For whatever reason, that turned me on. That's your kink. It's one of my kinks. But then for me, arousal with me, like me having my body as part of the arousal, is a whole other spectrum. Well, you're speaking actually to something very interesting. And and I'm going to share. I'm going to be really authentic right now. This is going to out me. Okay. I have no idea why. I don't have any idea why this is happening, but I've tried not to judge it. Watching someone penetrate someone's ass and specifically two men, I'm never looking for it to be non-consensual. That's not the dynamic I'm looking for. There's something about where I'm able for some reason in my fantasy to place myself in the position of the person penetrating, right? How interesting. If I look at sissy porn and things like that, it doesn't do that. I don't have any idea why. It doesn't move me in that way. I see it. I recognize what's happening. I recognize that's a thrill for me. But I don't get the same thing. I have no idea. So for me, what I've done over the time period of especially our transformation and all the podcasts we've interviewed is I have identified that as not the instance, but it's because of the power that's happening there. Interesting. Right? Yeah. And then when I fantasize about what I want, I do think of you impacting me and then fucking me. What I'm imagining is your impact because it's been the most progressive I've ever had in the sense of opening me up to the world of impact. And then you fucking me. And then that's a whole different experience than the other fantasy. Does that make sense? I'm sure you're a switch. I'm sure you're a switch. I am. You love getting fucked and you love getting spanked and you love using me as your submissive. I you do. just do. And there's nothing wrong with that. And see, that goes to my point. My point is 
that sexuality is unique to the individual. What they find arousing is unique to them. So this is actually, in my mind, the best chapter, if you're a masturbator, to read, to get aroused by, because it has everything in it. I think so, too. It has everything in it. It has everything for everyone. For everyone. If you can't get turned on while reading this chapter, uh, wake up. You're dead inside. Wake up. Yeah. That's it for today. If you're interested in kinky relationship coaching, online domination, or if you'd like to sponsor the pod to keep it going, please visit our Patreon website at Lady Petra Playground. You can reach me via email at ladypetraplayground at gmail.com. Our music is composed and performed by Roger Ferguson, who can be found at rogerfergusonmusic.com. Till next time, cheers! Cheers!